Welcome to the Monday Morning Tears Cast, the first, best, and only podcast about the goings-on of the Monday Morning Tears Fantasy Football League. As always, I am your hypocritical host, manager of Vice President Kamara Harris, uh, manager Daniel Kite here on the pod with you. Here to recap, I, I mean, it feels like the games didn't even really happen this week. There was so much action, transaction-wise, uh, myself included, friendships nearly broken, you know, hearts were, were rending. It was intense stuff, and we're going to recap that all on the podcast this week. Uh, but before we do so, a, a quick rundown of the action that actually did take place uh, during our league this past week. Uh, we'll start off with Obi John Kenobi scraping a win out against Show Me the Mooney, 84 to 57. We had the highest scoring matchup of the week. Uh, we had the second worst drafted team taking out the Agent of Chaos, 138 to 121. Big high scores there. Uh, funnily enough, uh, we'll, we'll get to Agent of Chaos a little bit later. Um, but we also had Bag of Mixon coming out huge with his L.A. Chargers players and knocking off D-Hop Psy, 141-95. We had Anal Beers and Kittles uh, knocking off Team Tony, 148-83, to a sound defeat there. We had DeAndre the Giant knocking off Spitting Llamas, 131 to 89. And in really the marquee matchup of the week, the one that we were all really excited for and took a lot away from, I was able to knock off Danny's team, Fields of Wet Dreams, uh, 68 to 54. A real barn burner that we had between the two of us there. But uh, on the pod today, we've got a manager whose team outscored both me and Danny combined. Uh, and we'll have, I think, a pretty unique perspective to share with us, uh, not just about his week but also about some of the transactions that went down over the past week or two. Returning to the pod after a, a long absence, actually, we have Steve Macedo back on, DeAndre the Giant Manager. Steve, how are we feeling today? I'm feeling great after this week's win. I'm glad I'm back on a high note. Instead I know. I felt I felt like I couldn't like uh, you know leave that curse on you and just like make you suffer through that. <laughs> so I'm glad we got you back here on a winning note. Yeah, I, I'm very happy. It wasn't looking too good on Thursday with Wayne Goldman giving me a minus point three. So, but it turned around, thankfully. That's bold and impressive. Like having a player score negative points and still finishing the week with one thirty. Like that's a that that's a nice little chunk of change that you were able to put together there, and especially at a defense that put up zero points at the same time too. Yeah, yeah. You want to hear a crazy stat that I actually saw today? Play it out. This was the first week that my opponent didn't lay 100 points on me. Yeah, I remember noticing that as I was going back through the, uh, the weeks. I couldn't believe it. I was like, holy. <laughs> then I look at my points again, and I'm like, no wonder it's up there. <laughs> I, and I mean, to be fair, I mean, it's, it's, it's Mikey's team. So, I mean, expecting 100 points out of them ever is frankly a fool's errand. But... Pretty good, if you ask me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, 89 points is one of Mikey's stronger showings. So, I mean, you did you did get a strong one out of him there. I remember, I think the week that I faced him, I think he put up like 96, and that got me feeling very nervous. But, uh, yeah, you know, you you guys came through for you. Was there was there a specific performer on your team that you were uh, really pleased with kind of how they went off? I mean, I would imagine you were really happy to see Darnell Mooney just uh, going straight to the moon there. Yeah, I was very happy with Mooney and Hertz as well. Hertz was scaring me a little bit the last few weeks with like all these rushing TDs coming from the running backs and stuff. 
but uh, he changed it up this week and he got 30. So I think it was his most points this year. So in one week, so I'm very happy with that. Three rushing TDs too, like barely any of that through the air. And that, that kind of seems to be Philly's MO. It looks like moving forward is just kind of running the ball with literally everyone. And I mean, since Hertz is so good at it, I mean, that feels like, uh, I mean, you know, 30 points isn't really sustainable. But uh, it feels hard to imagine Hertz, especially with his running floor, to like really be scoring consistently less than 20 points a week. Yeah, yeah. I'm very happy with that trade that I made with Tony for him. So worked out well for me. Indeed. And I got Mooney's stat line is kind of crazy to me because I, I didn't really pay too much attention to that Baltimore-Chicago game. But like... The the five receptions on sixteen targets is that's that's insane. Uh, that, that I don't I don't know if anyone has been targeted more in a game this year. I'm sure there's some some stats that we could probably pull up on that. But sixteen targets in one game is kind of ridiculous and kind of makes you think like what happens if like five more of those are caught? Like how well does Mooney look? Like this is that's uh, that's got to be really encouraging to have Mooney put up a line like that. Because uh, well, Allen Robinson wasn't playing either, right? So. That helped his situation as well, right? Because Allen Robinson, is, in my eyes, is still considered one of the best wide receivers in the league, right? But without him there, it's pretty much just him, right? So, well, I was going to ask, like, had, had Allen Robinson actually played this year? I feel like I haven't heard much from Allen Robinson. It's the QB, the conundrum they're having over there in Chicago. They don't know what they're doing. That's Matt Nagy for you, I guess. I, I love that the Red Rocket is back. I love that. Justin Fields got a little boo-boo, and now it's Red Rocket season. And, you know, I know the leaves have finished changing color, so the red has kind of gone from the from the trees, but, you know, that Red Rocket, that red will never fade away. I'm very excited to see him come back. He played well, so he deserves it, I guess. Yeah, I guess. You know, if that's uh, Chicago's goal, if their goal is to... I, You know what? I, I feel like I have no idea what any team's records are. Like, you could tell me Chicago was, like, 7-4, and four, and I would not be surprised but you could also tell me they were like three and nine and that seems equally possible too um it seems like the kind of year where like why why aren't you just putting fields in there like why are you having andy dalton kind of as this lame duck quarterback but uh i mean hell if he's going to give mooney that kind of volume you know mooney to take him right to the mooney i suppose Mooney to the moon exactly uh, and so, you know, we can talk a little bit about some of the other managers you saw, you know, have some victories this week. We saw, again, Taras, uh, Kimbert, Paul, uh, Chris even, every, lots of folks putting up big point totals. Uh, you know, after the, maybe we'll talk about the trades in a little bit. Um, but after seeing this week's action play out and all the trades that kind of happened up until Monday night... Uh, who stuck, who staked their claim today or this past weekend to be kind of maybe in the top two or three contenders in your mind? Like, who would you kind of think, who who really made a statement this weekend to you? I would say it's you, Taraz, and Paul. Okay. I, me, I find interesting there. So, I mean, tell me about Taraz's team, because Taraz, highest point scorer this week. Tell me about Taras's team and what I mean. I, I feel like it's almost obvious to ask what's scary about that team, but like I'll I'll give the floor to you. What is it that stands out specifically to you? I just don't see a hole in this team, especially in a starting lineup. And then you even look at his bench. He's got like Miles Gaskin in his bench. He's got Ayuk in his bench. Like decent, really good players. If you think about it, right now he's still. He's got he's got the Kyler Murray injury to worry with, but 
after this bye week, I would think he'd be ready to go. So I just think he's stacked, especially and like especially with that trade that he made with uh, Mikey. He gave up good players, but he got good players. Now he's got AJ, AJ Brown to worry about. I think he got hurt on Sunday, so I think he's still good though because he's got Ayuk, who's been uh, catching some balls lately. So. Yeah, finally kind of coming back from the dead after, frankly, disappearing for the first, like, 10 weeks of the season. But, uh, yeah, he's coming back with a vengeance now, which has got to be impressive. And I don't know if our league has ever seen a stronger top three running back combination between Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, and Najee Harris. That's um, that's really absurd. Uh, and it's going to be... that that the, that just sets the floor for Taras's team so high that even on a bad week for Taras, it's going to be hard to imagine a bad week looking below three digits because just of how how high the floor becomes with those folks putting up numbers in there. You mentioned Kyler Murray; he's the one that's going to be interesting to me. Where you know, did he if he gets healthy after this buy, is he going to come back full force? Or is what Kyler Murray is dealing with going to be kind of like a season-long kind of like nagging injury? And will Kyler Murray perhaps sink Tarras' team? Like, will he, you know, first week of the playoffs, will Kyler Murray put up like seven points and then kind of ruin the rest of it? I think that might be the uh, the only hope that the rest of our league might have to prevent another Tarras championship. But uh, you, you mentioned me in there as a contender uh, this week. I got to say, after putting up 68 points, I don't feel terribly confident, but tell me why I should feel confident. Well, before the trade, I wouldn't think you were a contender. I feel like you got a top 10, if not top 15 running back and a top 15 wide receiver if he's healthy. And really and truly, what did you give up? Rashad Bateman, who's a pretty good keeper for next year. I would have taken that all day, too, if I was you. Yeah, it was funny like to see Danny kind of post that in there because I really was uh, planning to just stand pat. I, I didn't have any trade plans at all. And then I think basically as as Nick saw in that final game that, uh, you know, he was going to be losing rather soundly, you know, he just shot me a quick message and was like, hey, do you want to make something happen for Bateman? And then, uh, yeah, the rest was kind of history there. So I figured... Uh, I've always been a, a flags fly forever kind of guy. You know, I'm not, I, I rarely think about the next year. I want to win a championship this year. Uh, I have been haunted by too many defeats uh, to, to ever think about the next year. There is only this season. So yeah, I mean, let's, let's maybe get into some of those trades here because after this week, it feels really obviously like there's essentially like three tiers of teams in our league right now where You've got the teams that have loaded up. You have Paul, Taras, myself. I would include you in there. And then Tony, I would say, are kind of the top tier of teams right now that all kind of loaded up. Then we have a middle tier of John, Kimbert, and Danny, who have kind of held pat with what they have and are going to, you know, scrap out and hopefully, uh, you know, do hope that their players come through for them. And then you have the uh, consolation section, which is pretty clearly at this point going to be Chris, Andre, uh, Nick, and Mikey. So I'm I'm curious about your thoughts on this because this is obviously your your first year in the league with us. It's our first year, kind of having a trade deadline be this active. 
kind of, what were your thoughts as you saw some of the trades going down this week? Since you were kind of one of the folks that kicked off kind of the the selling of assets by uh, getting back uh, a really nice package for DeAndre Swift. What, what did you see and then what did you think as you saw all the chaos unfolding in front of us? I, I, I kind of feel like I got shortchanged, to be honest with you, since I was the first trade. And I felt like everybody else towards the end was getting better value than me. But that's okay. I'm I'm happy. I feel like DeAndre Swift is still like a decent keeper for next year. If if depending on his ADP, I think a second round pick, depending where I'm picking as well, right? If I'm an early second round pick, maybe not. If I'm a late second round pick, I think it's good value there. But I did have to give up Marquise Brown, who was drafted in the 13th round, which would mean I think he's a 12th round pick next year. And then um, I really tried. I I I was before this week happened. I was I didn't want to be a tweener. I didn't want to be like I either wanted to go one way or the other. And I really tried to go selling mode with Paul and I literally I don't know what else I could have done and he still didn't bite. And then I tried loading up and clearly people didn't value my keepers as good as everybody else's. So then I just had to stand pat and then I I I'm not mad with the trades. I I love it. It's like People win trades, people lose trades. It's, and player valuation is all different than, from one another, right? So, like, I saw Mikey's trade come in. I, I, it made Taras better, right? And then after I saw Tony's trade come in with Andre, it made, made Tony better, right? And then I saw your trade come in, made you better. And it's like, it's competitive, right? I don't think, I think it was, it's good for the league, right? I know it, it stirred the pot a little bit, but I was happy with it. Yeah, I'm still coming around on whether I think it's good for the league or not. You know, maybe this was just like a, a sea change that, frankly, I didn't anticipate. And I, I, I know I came in hot on the weekend there. And I, I think part of me is really curious to see kind of how next year's draft plays out. Because, uh, you know, some of the value that was given up in terms of, you know, value for next year versus value for this year... I am curious if it really is equivalent. Like, you know, if I if I think of uh, the value that I gain by having Hopkins and Montgomery in my lineup this year, is that equivalent really to the value that's gained by a Bateman next year? Uh, if Andre has Cooper Cup in the third round next year, is that the equivalent of having Aaron Jones and DK Metcalf and et cetera, et cetera next year? I, I'm... I'm still leaning on the side that I feel like it's it's quite unbalanced, and that still makes me a little bit nervous. But, you know, maybe I just need to increase my valuation on what uh, keepers are and how valuable they are. But honestly, as I was, I was chatting with a couple of folks, it just makes me think that folks are worried about their drafting, honestly. Because uh, I feel like, I've mentioned this in the past, uh, I think on some podcasts, but uh, I don't know. T to me, keepers don't seem quite as necessary to me just because I I guess I just have confidence in my, my drafting ability. Uh, and if you're a confident drafter, it seems like you should be able to negotiate around the various keepers and stuff like this. Because uh, especially with the wide receiver keepers, you know, the guys that are being kept this year were all selected, you know, in the 8th, 9th, 11th, 12th rounds. Uh, and I feel like those guys are going to exist next year too, like those guys that can be get, gotten for those values. So it just it just makes me wonder, you know, if if this is the case, um, you know, should we consider 
draft picks being given away? Should we consider just going back to full redraft? I mean, obviously we wouldn't do it this year or next year because uh, that would make the keepers pointless. Uh, but it, it's it's an interesting thing that's come up to me. Like, I, I don't know, like... What's what's your read on that? Like, do, do do you feel like the value is is equivalent there, or am I just uh, you know, am I off base? I just want to say one thing. I think this league would be a great dynasty league. Just the way I saw people decide to sell off and guys just going for it. I think for dynasty, this would be an amazing league. And and it's like you're saying, we don't know yet. It's still the unknown. Maybe next year, come this time, people are like, "Fuck that! I got burned with my keepers." Last year, I'm not going to be just selling off my best players for maybes. You know what I mean? Like you're saying. So it's a learning process for everybody, right? We don't know what works, what does work. So we live and learn, right? Steve, I think that's that's a really admirable mindset to be in. Like, honestly, like that's, that's I think, a, a really great perspective to have on this. And frankly, I, I wish I, I had your, your frame of mind as I was watching most of this go down over the weekends. I think I would have been a lot less heated i think for myself too i like it wasn't even a matter of being upset that trades were happening around me i think there was part of me that was just kind of like god i i put in probably way too much energy into this like you know i he says this on the podcast that he makes for this league and then to see a bunch of like top tier players get moved for what to my mind just seemed like minimal value like I, I think that just like broke something in me, and it was just like, why, why the fuck am I doing all? I had like a minor like existential crisis, kind of as I was doing it. But as as the days have gone on, like you know, as as Monday and Sunday finished, I think I kind of mellowed out a little bit and was kind of able to see that. But I do 100% agree that you know, I, I know Danny and I, and Danny's been kind of. Uh, putting in uh, little tickets around the league, kind of getting people's sense about kind of starting a dynasty league. Uh, I think if this is our attitude and that we're willing to do things like this, I think that lends itself really well to dynasty uh, and could make for some really fun times moving forward. Again, we wouldn't want to start it next year because, again, I think those keepers become a bit of a moot point. Um, but I, I totally agree that dynasty would be fun. And, and from my understanding, you're, you're in a dynasty league with Danny, correct? Yes, I am. Did you see like a similar fire sale happening this week in, uh, in that league? No, no, no. The, the players aren't, the guys aren't active enough. Cause like I'm a rebuilder in that team. I pretty much booted the year. I started trading. I traded my first round pick. I started, I traded my second round pick. I traded my third round pick for like, Lower draft picks, but like future firsts. So you're planning basically to like, just, you're doing like the old like Madden thing where like you would trade like your first round pick and then get like a first round and then a second round and a third round in the following year and stuff like that. That's what I tried to do this year. And, um, and I'm, I, I got eight first round picks in the next two rookie drafts. So I got a hit on them, right? But it's like you're, I trust my drafting. So I think I can hit on them. So, and um, yeah, and everybody else is going for it. Nobody else is selling off. Nobody's, nobody is like going for it because nobody wants to make trades other than me. So it's kind of boring. That's why I was like, when I saw all that action yesterday, got like on, not yesterday, uh, Sunday and yesterday, it got me all excited. I was like, this is what a league is supposed to be like. And I guess it was maybe abnormal to you at the time, right? But I think it's kicking in 
than normal now, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and I'd like to think, definitely over the past couple of years, I think we've become a more trade-happy league. Like, you definitely pushed that forward this year, which I think, you know, is just for fun and benefit and stuff like that. And, uh, but I, I, I do think that, yeah, this just might be the new normal in the way things are. The, the thing, the thought that I kept having as I was going back over the weekend, and it was a bit of a, a sad, morose thought, um, was me just wondering how valuable Jamar Chase could have been uh, as a keeper in any of these contentions. Like, just to be able to have him in my position, where basically Paul is right now, to, where to, to have a top a team in the top half of the league, but then also have arguably the best keeper in the league on his team. And I just got to thinking like, God, like if I had wanted to sell Jamar Chase, like what was, what, what would the King's ransom have been that I could have gotten for him? It just, it, uh, it made me deeply sad and envious of Paul all at the same time. I don't know how you were able to get uh, digs off of him, to be honest with you. <laughs> I tried my hardest with Paul this weekend, and he wasn't budging. And I don't blame him. He, he has the, he has an amazing team. He probably has the two best keepers in the league. If he misses this year, he's still got two more years with those keepers, right? So I would have done what he did. I would have stamped pot. But I'm pretty sure everybody was blowing up his phone. So, And I know Chase was valuable. And it seemed like he was shopping more Debo than than chase but i i don't know if i would have been the other way around because from what i've been hearing like debo might even get like a uh, running back status right and like look at patterson if debo gets running back status because i think in the last two games he got like 13 carries in total that's that's almost like an, a running back right yep so i thought debo was the more valuable uh keeper than than chase to be honest with you i think he was drafted around later so yeah, I, I just know that Paul has like a a re, like a strong hard on for Chase. Like he just loves that p- dude as a player, and I I still think back and and again I think all all season I've just kind of gone back to that trade for Diggs because the initial offer was I was trying to move from Ridley and a couple other guys, uh, and I just think how different would my year have been if it was Ridley in that package instead of Jamar Chase, uh, and how different this would all look. And uh, yeah, I just keep looking back up. But you know what? There's there's only moving forward now. I've got DeAndre Hopkins, who's a guy that I've had success with in the past, and Montgomery, who, if I'm honest, makes me nervous because he's got the Chicago Bears stink on him. Uh, but you know, I'm hopeful that he'll be a better option than uh, the the rotation in the Patriots' uh, backfield, regardless of how well as a team they perform. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be curious. So I, I'm curious. Uh, maybe I, I feel like I know what you're gonna do because you're a you're a humble guy. You don't want to sh- sh- uh, send out any shots. But of that top five tier, like, w- or maybe would you agree with me that there's like a top five tier of you, me, uh, Paul, Taras, and Tony? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that. Especially yeah, all the trades that happen, I would agree with that. I'm going to put you on the spot here, and I'm going to ask you to go one to five and state, like, who do you think is at the top of that pecking order? Who would you say is at the bottom of that pecking order? I think Taraj is at the top because I don't see a hole in his team, especially if Murray comes back. I think Paul's second, even though I think he has a pretty big hole over there with his tight end. And then I would, uh, I think Tony's three, three. And then I think. 
you're a four, and then I'd probably put myself at fifth. I knew you were going to put yourself at fifth. You're too nice, to Steve. I, I, I think I agree with you the whole way there. I think I would swap you and I, uh, quite frankly. I, I, I know you said you were thinking about like whether you should load up or whether you should sell, but like if we're being real, like you're already pretty loaded up. Uh, once you have like a healthier Corderell Patterson, uh, that that's already a pretty loaded looking squad you have there. Uh, you know, with Amari Cooper sitting on the bench while, you know, Darnell Mooney's putting up 20. Like, you can't really expect that every week necessarily. But, no. you know, you swap in a Patterson or you swap in a uh, Collins who gets a decent amount of work there. I, I'd say you're pretty loaded up in your own right. Yeah, but I just didn't th- I didn't think it was good enough, especially with this Patterson injury. It's a high ankle sprain. And from, from what I've been hearing, it's like, it stays with him, right? So he could have a good game, but it could affect him the next game. You know what I'm trying to say? And that's what's scaring me right now. And then I got Edmonds on the IR. I don't think he's going to be taking James Conner's spot once he comes back. And then Collins hasn't been very good. So my RB2 is not looking really good right now. And then I've been unlucky, I think, all year. Devontae Adams gets COVID. And then the following week, Aaron Rodgers gets COVID. And now... Mari Cooper has COVID, and not not only does he miss one game, he misses two games, and it's just I'm hoping that I get in, and I hope it breaks right for me, and I'm hoping everybody else gets COVID. To be honest with you, <laughs> I th- honestly I feel like it's going to be hard for you to miss out, just because like even like you'll it's still at least be an eight seed because I don't see Andre's team really winning any more games this year. And even if you just win one, you'll be ahead of him for eighth spot. I I think you will make the playoffs, and not necessarily comfortably, but I feel fairly confident that you're going to be in the playoffs. Yeah, I I I don't know if I want to be eight though, because <laughs> then yeah. I'm getting Paul or Taraz, and then it's like it's like the hardest road to win the championship. So it's like I would like to squeak in at to five or six, because then the way I'm seeing, I'm getting either you or Tony. And then I'm hoping maybe one of the weaker teams miraculously takes out Paul or Taras, <laughs> but who knows? See, that's what that's what's going to be interesting come week 13 when we're facing up against each other. You know, I'll have to start thinking like, oh man, what are the ma- what what what's the math here? Like, what will put me in the best position to basically not face you? Uh, and I guess that kind of like it's hard to say. Like, I I guess winning is probably better because then I'm closer to like the bottom tier with Danny and stuff. But uh, man, I'm it's gonna be annoying to to go into week thirteen. And I think I think we've said it before, but whichever of us other four are gonna have to face you, because likely one of us four are going to have to, uh, we're gonna be pissed. <laughs> it's yeah. gonna suck to have to face you in the first round. Yeah, but who knows? Anybody can beat anybody any given week, right? Like, I look at my C, uh, I think Taraj has a stack with Jackson and Andrew, and you have Diggs and Allen, and, like, I feel like that can vary a lot. Like, it can be good for you, but it can also be bad for you, where where you it can be a big performance from both of them, but if it's a clunker, which the Bills have been stinking up lately, it can really ruin your week. Yeah, my my experience this year with that has made me hesitant to to look into stacks next year to be honest, cuz I'd never really had a an actual stack with like a quarterback and a receiver before. Uh but this year has made me really hesitant on that now, uh, just because because of how dependent they are on each other and just the lack of um 
diversity of options, I suppose. But I could go the other way and say, like, you know, if you had drafted Lamar Jackson and Marquise Brown this year and went with that stack, you'd be, you know, you'd be laughing your way to, like, the top of the league, probably. Um, it's, like, it's always a hard one to try and figure out with that. But, yeah, I, I, I think at the end of the day, uh, we're basically all just praying that we get to face uh, Danny or John or Kimbert uh, and, and get to avoid you for a few even, even Kimbert? Gary, though, like if it works out for him on any given week, he can throw up 140 points. Like Mike Williams has been bad the last little while. DJ Moore's been bad the last little while, but they were pretty good this last week. And look at him. Yeah, and the same goes for Danny's team too, because you know he was already saying that, like you know, the roller coaster that he's been on, you know, going from scoring 60 to 140, back down to 50. Uh, you know, it's and again, like what you said, that anything can happen. You know, it's true. Like I, I won a freaking week with uh, 68 points here uh, in a week where five different people put up like 120 points. Like it, you're, you're not wrong. Anything can happen in fantasy, which is why I was really, I get like, I, that's why I was trying to reason with some folks and tell them that they didn't need to sell. Like I, I'm going to, you know, he doesn't listen to the podcast, so I don't give a shit, but Andre selling off his team is I think of all the decisions that were made this week, the most abominable of them, because Andre, to my mind, was still very much a playoff contender and still very much had a pathway towards like making a run at the championship. And he just kind of cowardiced out and said, no, nah, I'll take Cup in the third round, who I don't even know is particularly good value, and just basically said, peace out, I'm done with this year. Uh, that just made me that that made me even angrier than really the Mikey trade. I know I, I the the Mikey trade really set me off in the chat, but I think when I saw the Andre trade, I just kind of felt a little bit broken uh, because God, it just like it was just so frankly, it's cowardly. It just saying to give up on a year like that. And I maybe I'm just too cheap and I just I don't want to give up like on a hundred bucks like that to say ah screw it, I'm done with it. But like, man, that that one really set me off. Uh, I don't know about I don't I don't know about your thoughts on that, but man, that Andre trade made me very upset of all the trades. I think I was trying. I talked to Andre. I was trying to make a trade with him. He just it wasn't lining up. And uh, maybe he's a realist. He just maybe he thought he wasn't good enough, and he's like, "Fuck it, <laughs> like let me try to get these keepers and let me go for it the next two years." <laughs> and uh, I. I don't blame him. Like, and he he was up there, right? But I don't blame him. I don't know. I, again, I just I put it in the chat. I go back to Herm Edwards. You play to win the game. You play to win the game. And he had a chance to win the game, and basically said, "Nah, I'm good." And he took his ball and went home. And it's like, what if he tried to make a trade to better his team, and there wasn't no trade to be had, and he just thought. It's not, I'm not good enough, especially because it was the Taraj trade that happened first, and then it was his trade, right? So maybe he saw the Taraj trade, and he's like, I don't have a chance. And he probably tried to make a trade to get better. There was no trade out there to get better, and he's decided to go the other way. I don't... But, but then I see, you know, Kimbert and Danny both stood pat pretty strongly, and, and Danny definitely has some valuable keepers he could have worked with, but Danny, Danny wasn't a coward. Danny basically said, I'm going to roll with my team. And I'm going to see what happens here because, you know, he has the same record as Andre has frankly a similar talent level as Andre, maybe a little bit better before the trade, but uh, I'd say they were pretty similar 
and Danny stood pat and Andre ran away. And I think I think fortune will favor the bold there, I hope. Danny's a friend. I consider him a friend, but I don't know if his team is as good as he might think it is. I think he has really good keepers, but maybe he was valuing those keepers too much to make the trade that other people were making, right? I don't know. I, I still think Danny's team is quite strong. I mean, uh, the, the, the wide receiver trio of Tyreek Hill, C.D. Lamb, and uh, even a healthy Antonio Brown, like pre-Lamb you know pre getting concussed, uh, that that was a hell of a strong three combo there. Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott's still a top 10 running back. And Michael Carter was Billy showing out before he got injured. Like, I think there was that like this is a team that has uh, a huge amount of potential, I think. But Danny is definitely now very clearly uh, suffering the vagaries of injuries, uh, you know, with his team, which is unfortunate part of fantasy but I, I honestly thought even with Michael Carter I thought his RB2 could have been better and I think he has a hole at tight end so I still didn't think it was good enough to compete especially after all these trades that happened fair enough I, I, I hear that like I said you know there's a reason I didn't put Danny in that tier with us kind of in that top tier there but that, I, I, I still think that there's a path for Danny to, you know, go on a run here. Uh, the same way I thought there was a path for Andre to go on a run. But basically, took it, he did, like I said, he took his ball and he went home. Uh, which, to me, you know, seems like, why are you bothering? You know, what's, what's the point of being in the league if that's the move? But maybe, you know, maybe Cooper Cup proves me wrong and then shows his value as a early third-round pick. Because that's essentially what he will be with Andre's team. And, uh, hell, maybe I'm wrong. It's happened before, and it will almost certainly happen again. But, uh, you know what? We've kind of covered a lot of the league this week. Uh, I don't know. Was, we could talk a little waivers. We could talk some player stuff. Uh, was there any action from the league or any player performances or anything that stood out to you as notable from the week that was as we kind of start to uh, wind down the pot a little bit? How about Jonathan Taylor going for five touchdowns? And him back of the first round. MVP? Is Jonathan Taylor the league MVP? I think he's first overall next year, to be honest. Yeah, that's going to be spicy because he's, he's got, he doesn't have the injury baggage that, you know, a Dalvin Cook or a, a Christian McCaffrey has. And is just, I mean, all the talk last year was about how Jonathan Taylor had that three down talent set. And, you know, I know some of there was some trepidation going into this year around him uh, that, you know, he may not return that first uh, round value just because of some O-line injuries being banged up and kind of some fluky things that happen at the end of the year. But uh, goodness gracious, that is a that is a that that man is Denzel Washington because he is a man on fire. Uh, He is going crazy out there right now. Like, is there any other like. Would you do you think he's number one overall next year? Yeah, I do. Because like even the Colts are just riding him now because they're like, if we're gonna win, we're gonna win on this guy's back. Because they were struggling at the start of the year, and guess what? He wasn't doing what he was doing. But but by them giving him the ball, they're winning. So why not continue to do that? Which makes Paul even more scary, I think. Yeah, like to see just that Indianapolis just kind of ride Jonathan Taylor towards a playoff run. Uh, is definitely going to be to Paul's benefit, 100%. And and yeah, I remember thinking this week too, as I was just thinking about all that action, like, 
Uh, I'm going to be curious to see what happens with the Cowboys this Thursday. Uh, again, being down their top two receivers, I'm wondering if that might limit Tony a little bit this week, which could kind of spice things up a little bit to see Tony kind of go down. I'm trying to see who's facing right now. Okay, so, well, actually, I take that back. Tony's facing Mikey. That's a guaranteed win. Uh, so not much too interesting there. But uh, yeah, I just looking forward to uh, seeing the week that's going to happen. And and you know, it's not our. Uh, colonialism day this weekend but i'm excited to watch some football on that day um and get some uh solid black friday deals uh but as you go into this week here steve you've got uh this it's time for some parting shots you're up against taras this week this is this is a, a heavy hitter matchup here now I, I, you strike me again as a as a humble person i feel like you're not going to talk too much shit here but uh, are there is there a statement you want to make to the league? Is there a statement you want to make to Taras? Uh, the floor is yours. I bet Taras the first week, so I'm planning on beating him this week. And if I run into him in the playoffs, I'm planning on going three and zero against him. So that should say my intentions are to win the chip, to to shock the world. First year rookie season, I want to shock this league. This is a competitive league, and I want to come up on top. So everybody. Get ready. Grab some popcorn. I love it. Like in Steve talk, I feel like that was you just like raising both your middle fingers and telling the entire league to fuck off. Like that was like you wouldn't say that, but like in my Steve translator, that felt like what it was. Uh, so I, I I'm glad to to see that you're coming out strong here, and I think that's that's what we need. I think we're gonna have a real competitive uh, playoff season. These, these next two weeks, I feel like are going to be kind of lame ducks, to be honest, because I feel like the playoff teams are more or less set. But uh, goodness gracious, those playoffs are going to be something else. I sure hope to get there, to be honest with you, so I can be a part of it. Well, I'm, I'm gunning for you for that, too, honestly. I'm, I'm gunning for you to, to make a run and so that you can knock out uh, one of the other guys and that I hopefully can avoid you for as long as possible. You can't avoid me. You got me next week. Yeah, that's true. That'll be like maybe a little bit of a teaser. If I can beat you in week 13, maybe I'll feel a little bit better meeting you in the playoffs. There you go. There you go. Thanks for joining us on the pod, Steve. Thanks for taking the time. Much appreciated. And uh, all the best this week and all the worst next week. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. And you're very good at what you do, buddy. Keep it up. Doing my best. Next week, we'll be back to recap all the action from week 12 and then look ahead to week 13 action as we're getting mighty close to the playoffs. But until that time, keep crying.